Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Here we are, Father John, Father Nathan Goble. He's clean, he's back, looking fresh. He's actually happy today, a little angsty, but uh, mostly happy. That's right. He's like a puppy that's been let out of his kennel for a while, and I'm just running around in circles, excited to see anyone. One of the reasons why we're happy is because we just got back from a pretty epic trip. That's right. The uh, Schweiz. We went to the Schweiz, to Switzerland for two weeks with 35 other people. Yep. Mostly college kids. And uh, stayed in these huts and did all this kind of crazy stuff. Those who listen to the podcast on um, pilgrimage, Stranik. Stranik. Did you do that one with me? Nope. That was dumb. Of course it was because you haven't done one since February. <laughs> I think it was April, but it's been Is it a while. seriously been since April? Yeah, it's been six podcasts. All of his friends just think it's because he's super lazy. It's actually because we're really disorganized. And you've had kind of an epic six months getting ordained. and Right. Know. Yeah, but not six weeks. It hasn't been six months. It's been six weeks. But I well, did take finals and whatnot. But it seems like Joe has time to do it, but I don't. It is we're funny. in the same class. So. And this M audio recorder only works when Joe Doman is yep. present. So, anyways, the uh, excuse is made. We're back, and uh, we have to start with two shout-outs, though, because I love the uh, I love the shout-outs that come from abroad. Met a guy last night um, from London. His name is John Baselli. The Baselli's. Right? Where did you meet him? At a Baselli family wedding. So the Baselli's are like there's a million of them, and uh, they're all most of them are up in Boulder. Uh-huh. They're this clan. The dad was a deacon, and uh, so I'm kind of checking them off one at a time. But John Baselli listens in London. He's telling people about it in London, and then his brother Don, who I actually know better, guilt tripped me because he's like Father Peter gives me shout outs all the time. So John, an authentic shout out. Don, for shout out. For shout out. For shout out today. But it's a scary thing when a family named the Baselli's. When they say you're a family priest, it's like something from The Godfather. That's right, the Bodzinis or something like that. But it was Bodzini. <laughs> so it's kind of like, a, oh, if I cross him, if my body ends up in a, you know, Cherry Creek or something, just there you look, go. look for the Baselli's. I said something wrong at a wedding or something. So, what I want to do today, you look so interested. Okay, uh, what I want to do today is uh, basically give a synopsis of what we just talked about in the last couple weeks on that pilgrimage to Switzerland. Oh, wow. Okay, so here we go. (laughs) Good luck. And so the name of this podcast is A Theology of Mountaineering. Oh. Yeah? No. What was the name of it? Which one? Mountaineering. The Alpineering. Alpineering. That's what they call it in Europe. But but there was some name for it in the German. Ah, yeah, yeah. Anyways. Whatever. It sounded awesome. But so this what we're attempting today is a brief little theology of mountaineering to keep Nathan Goebel's eyeballs wide awake and ready to go here. So I love to ask Nathan impossible questions that he can't answer because he can't get in my head. So if I was gonna say one thing, Nathan, that is the crisis of the twentieth century, what would it be? Uh or of the modern period. The if you're von Balthasar. Attachment to uh Image, okay, not written word. I don't know. Oh, he's going for it. Well, you take you're a couple steps ahead of me. Yes, Balthazar says that the main problem in the modern world is that man is unlike any other time in history, alienated from himself. Okay, okay, and <laughs> he's pulling on his big toe right now. Okay, so that's true alienation. I don't right have there. the gout. Okay, so he, man's alienated from himself. And what's contributed to that, one aspect of that, is what Balthazar calls the anima technica vacua, oh, yeah. which means 
the empty tactical soul. Right. He talks about the modern world as it has this soul that's different than the soul that right. was there in the ancient world or in the medieval world. It's empty and it's technological. Mm-hmm. Anima, technica, vacua. It's a great Balthazar phrase. That's the soul that embodies the culture that we're living in right now. And that is one aspect of man's total alienation from himself. We spent a lot of years studying philosophy, theology, these different things. There's a lot of different factors why there's never been a time in history when man doesn't understand and is not living according to who he is than right now. And the anima technica vacua, which we've created because of the absence of the Christian soul that used to permeate Western civilization, right? It's a replacement. Mm -hmm. That's contributed to that. All right? So that's the first thing right there. You still with me? Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said, I'm interested in the fact that down the street, there's this place called REI, right? The mm-hmm. REI flagship store. And REI flagships are all over the country, and they are packed. And I bet today that place is slammed, yep. right? Hopping. There are people buying outdoor gear all the time, and some of them are actually going to the outdoors. In fact, we'll say, you know, a, a number of them. Right. But there is this phenomenon that's happening about going to the outdoors, right? It's like the thing. This is it. We talked about this. Um, I talked about this in a homily, actually, in Zermatt a couple weeks ago. But um, 50 years ago, climbing was a very elite thing that was very cultural. So if you live in the Berner Oberland, you're, you're into mountaineering. But it's not like major stores all over the world right. selling this stuff and trying to climb everywhere. It's this a phenomenon that's happened in the last 30 years, right? When I would talk to guys, experienced old school climbers in Boulder, uh, it's just totally different what's happening. It's become an industry. And it's become an industry because it's a sociological phenomenon. Yep. So people want to go outdoors. They want to go into the wild, to use John Krakauer's uh, terminology, for a reason, right? And I think the reason is because of the anima technica vacua, right? They want to get away from a technological world that is manufactured that is not real, right? It's cool living downtown in Capitol Hill. We're recording here in the middle of Capitol Hill in Denver, Colorado. No longer in Boulder because I now live in Aurora, which is a whole nother thing, right? right? That's the Anima Technica Vacua 30 years later. Just a little, ugh. But um, nevertheless, they're trying to get away from that, and they're trying to get back to what is real. That's my opinion. That's my take on it. So all kinds of people, regardless of faith or not, are saying, let's go to the mountains. Mm -hmm. Great, right? Yeah. Interesting. Back to nature. Back to nature. I think this is fascinating stuff. Now, of all the different activities that you could do in the outdoors, Pope Pius XI right. tells us... Before he was Pope. Okay. I, I leave that part Not out. infallibly, but so, he does a, tell us. A guy named Ambrosio Damiano Accelerati Bocelli. No, no Bocelli in there. Pope Pius XI said this. Of all the activities in which men seek wholesome enjoyment, none may be said to be healthier for the strength of body and soul alike than a mountain ascent, hmm. provided all recklessness be avoided. We'll leave that part out. For while one's strength is renewed and increased through hard labor and the struggle to reach the pure and more rarefied regions of the air, it also happens that the soul, by wrestling with every type of difficulty, becomes more persistent in its handlings of the burdens and duties of life. And the mind, through the contemplation of the immense and beautiful view, from the summits more easily rises towards God, the author in nature and Lord of nature. I remember climbing San Luis Peak with you, your first 14er. 
second 14 second 14er and Thank that you. was exactly what your face radiated it was just contemplating the immense and beautiful views right yeah you were realizing this is helping me to wrestle with the difficulties of life and the handlings of burdens right something like that something like that right afterwards maybe right yeah it's, it's certainly i mean for I'm the force you to say five words every 10 minutes for the for the untrained uh Mountain climbing is certainly an ascetical practice. So at the least, they're not sitting on their couch conquering Halo 4. Um, they're actually involved with something that's real, um, something that is natural to man, motion, you know, not just moving your thumbs back and forth. Um, and, yeah, I mean, ascesis, you know, um, the activity of the, of the body you know, like, I mean, the ascetical life is part of the Christian life. Right. Um, but what some of these, you know, REI people are doing is a form of ascesis, right? Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. A form of exercise, but we wouldn't necessarily um, say that they're living an ascetical life. I mean, even when we were doing our, you know, climbing and whatever, I'm like sucking down clip shot blocks and... <laughs> You know, uh, praying to God that there's Gatorade up around the bend or something. Um, so how, how have we made even this practice kind of, uh, like you were saying, a social, sociological experiment and not necessarily something that is drawing man out of himself, even physically? I mean, we medicate through all sorts of things, but I mean, that's okay. I mean, right. you're trying to push the body farther than it's willing to go. And if you're like me, it's not willing to go much further than, you know, 200 feet above sea level. Um, and, uh, so I think it's, it is a good thing. I think it, he always talks Mac, but he did a great job, uh, when we were in Switzerland. So yeah. we, we took this trip to Switzerland and there, something happened to these kids. And I think it ties into what you were just talking about, about the ascesis, about this ascetical life, right? We go up to these huts that don't have running water and we're, we're piled in. Now, they did have a lot of beer, and that was a good thing. But we would hike all day. There would be conferences at night. And, um, but there was no technology, nothing, right? And uh, it just it changes something. It changes something in the way that people live. And John McCoy, one of the guys on the trip, said something interesting. He said, Switzerland felt like the way I'm supposed to live life, right? It feels like the way people are supposed to live. And the reality is, it was the way people lived, right? The, you don't you don't have twenty four hour fitnesses where people go to work out, right? The, your life is physical, right? right? That's just a weird phenomenon. We live in these cubicles in corporate America, and and we go down to twenty four hour fitness, and we get on machines, and we work out our body for twenty minutes or whatever, a half hour, whatever it might be. That's just crazy, right? Right. We have to make points to come together. My family, it's impossible to get us all together like once a month. That's really problematic. That says something about my family, but about the culture at large. Right. So you throw 35 college kids in the midst of this, and you play euchre with them, and we destroyed them. Nathan and I destroyed them yep. night after night. Yep. We shut it down every single night. And if some of them are listening to this podcast, they have to bow down. You know that. You know that, you <laughs> soiled mitten kitten. You know who I'm talking about. Grace Jacobs. Grace now, Jacobs was an incredible smack talker that very soon realized that she was in... She was trying to match lightsabers with Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda, and uh, we just took a whatever, I don't we, even know what a girl uh, Jedi would look like. but We have no mercy uh, on smack talkers like this. Right. And the high point was uh, when you did the uh, Mario Kart thing. What was it again? That's right. 
Well, I mean, we were up because they went wild after they won the first point, and then we we came back nine to one, and we were just winning everything, setting them, going alone, all that stuff. And I said, it feels like I'm riding one of those golden mushrooms from Mario Kart, where I'm just like, make, 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 you go. <laughs> Anyways, when he said that, it was over. This is how people should live. You this know, is how just people winning should live. at cards all the time. Winning at cards every night. It was amazing. Right, but. A lot happened. The ascetical life of mm-hmm. living in the mountains mm-hmm. recovered something deeper, getting them out of the technological world, which is not real, and allowing them to encounter each other. I mean, it was like, what would you do in your spare time? You would either go in silence and read and pray, or you would talk to people. And the depth of friendships that formed were unbelievable. Yeah. And hiking contributed to that, right? Because that was the kind of the, the ascetical life. If we had just been sitting there drinking beer all day in these huts, wouldn't have been effective. But something about trimming back from technology, getting out into the wild, does something and it retrieves it. Okay, that's all on a natural level though, right? What does this have to do with theology? What does this have to do with Christ? That's the question. Did we give them an experience in Switzerland of a more natural life? Or did we give them an experience in Switzerland of what grace looks like when it permeates nature, right? Because grace builds on nature. So all of these things... Silence, transcendence, solitude, friendship, asceticism, all the things that come with this hiking trip in Switzerland, they should contribute for a deeper receptivity of grace. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So the question is, did we do that? And I don't know. Here's a quote from Balthazar for you. Do something funny in in the meantime. Make, 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 (laughs) make, Okay, so check this out. Balthazar, great aphorism. Only the person who contemplates the beauty of nature in God and is accustomed to regard it as his voice, his sphere, the mirror of his countenance, can even in his mature years experience nature as naively and ecstatically as in his 80th year, Hmm. as in his 18th year, excuse me, without a drop of melancholy. Bam. That's the kick. When you make the move from mere natural recovery, recovery, silence, solitude, beauty and you bring that back into relationship with God we call that adoration right contemplating the beauty of nature in God then it becomes something that is inexhaustible right there's nothing more pathetic nothing more painful I should say not pathetic to see than people who love the outdoors who just get bored and they get frustrated and they get miserable you see these in mountain towns right they're just sick of life because they've kind of exhausted the experiences yeah. of climbing mountains of skiing of doing these different things. And without this, without this is the key, only the person who contemplates the beauty of nature in God can, even in his mature years, experience nature as naively and ecstatically as in his 18th year without a drop of melancholy. That is what we want, right? Yep. To have the ecstasy of the, the beauty that we experience, ecstasis, right? Being drawn out of ourselves in the Greek. That's what we want for the rest of our lives. But when it becomes self-absorbed, and this is what I preached about, so much of mountaineering and outdoors and REI is like, look at how awesome I look, right? In my, uh, you know, my smart wool jacket and my Patagonia windbreak, all things right. I own. That's why he's laughing at me. I eat my shot blocks, all these different things, right? right? It becomes all about me and how awesome I am. Yeah. And um, I think I have to delete my Facebook page because I'm soaking in I'm starting to soak more and more in how awesome these photos are but it's not leading me to contemplation of nature in God it's leading me to contemplate nature in myself right it's right. a fundamentally self-absorbed act 
So I don't know if I'm going to delete the Facebook, but those of you who are in contact with me, it might be happening. I want I want a naivete and an ecstasy in the mountains for the rest of my life without a drop of melancholy. That's what Balthazar is saying if we contemplate the beauty of nature in God instead of in ourselves. Does that make sense? Well, I mean, I don't know. It, it's not just, you know, pictures of nature or whatever. I mean, man's conquests are, you know, not necessarily limited to mountaineering or something like that. I mean, people will post, you know, oh, I just did this. You know, I just biked across Iowa or something like that. Okay, you know. Um, and, you know, then there's the whole, you know, business, corporate world. I just got this promotion, whatever. And so much of it is um, uh, skeptic. You know, it's just them looking at their own belly button. Right. It's navel-gazing. Right. It's, th- it's talking about how awesome I am. And when we give ourselves the glory, um, then it quickly becomes insipid. It quickly becomes embittered. And the fascinating thing about those mountain towns that you were talking about, and it's not just mountain towns, it's beach towns, places where there's great fly fishing, you know, places where people go to have an experience of the people that are residing there permanently, they lose sight of that. And then a lot of times where they turn is to the passions. Right. Um, and so, like you were saying, an excess of the passions, either, you know, drinking or uh, the sexual appetites or whatever. And then you just end up like old rawhide. You know, you, you end up with somebody who is incapable of the, of the kind of tenderness that happens when somebody's experiencing it for the first time. That's a reference to a reverence through it, by the way. That's right. Which is a good one. But like if 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 they're not looking at the mountains or the beach or, you know, this river like with eyes afresh, but it's just kinda like, I know this river, you know, I know this reef. I know this ridge or something like that. Well, do you? You know? I mean the fascinating thing is what do you do when you go out and conquer a mountain? Yeah. The, mon- the mountain's still doing pretty good, you know? And thanks be to God, you went up on a day when there was good weather, right. when there was no bears, you know? I, I remember Brady Wagner one time, good old Father Brady Wagner, melancholic extraordinaire, uh, challenged me, actually kind of called me out because I referred to climbing 14ers as bagging 14ers, which is a common language thing here. And he was right. That kind of language, it's it's about me, mm-hmm. conquest, my conquest of nature yeah. versus like uh, the Native American spirituality. I just climbed Bonka Peak a couple weeks ago. They had this sense that like this was the holy mountain. This was sacred. Reverence, and yeah. you're permitted to yeah. climb, you know what I mean, if you're mm-hmm. if you're kind of lucky or blessed or whatever yeah. that kind of the spirituality is. But that's, that's much healthier, even if it's superstitious, than this kind of um, I'm, I'm – I'm the Nietzschean, you know, Ubermensch, and I can do whatever I right. want. And uh, I go bag peaks, and I do these different things, and I uh, put it all on Facebook or something like that. It's crazy. So it's interesting. The ego destroys if it's not kept in check. And the only way to allow beauty to flourish and to radiate for the time of our life is to keep going back to the beauty of God, which is his glory manifesting itself in Christ crucified. Bam! That's where we leave it, and that's where we have to keep going back to, Right. God has to be encountered in silence and stillness, but also in darkness. That's where we find his beauty, and that's what keeps bringing afresh all of those things. That great line from Hopkins, right? It's uh, beauty ever new, right? He talks about he's tying that into Augustine, right? There lives the deepest freshness deep down things. Like it does, it's inexhaustible 
if it's brought back to its source. Mm-hmm. So that's the theological foundation to the act of mountaineering that I would propose. Yeah, and and your question, which was, you know, did we actually lead those kids into the experience of? Um, there is no formula, you know. I mean, even even the most beautiful places on earth, you know, you can't just take your Bible out and you know add Bible plus you know most beautiful places on earth with some of the best people on earth, and then yeah, we're actually going to have an experience. I think you dispose yourself. You know, it's the same way that when we were talking about prayer, that um, resting the body disposes yourself to encounter. You know, it's hard to pray when you're just constantly like, you know, like playing ping pong or something like that, Um, or your thoughts are racing or whatever. And one of the one of the suggestions was, you know, setting your hands on your on your thighs in such a way that you can actually feel your almost like your hands are going to go through your legs. You know, they feel so heavy. It's like, how could I ever lift them? What you're doing is you're slowing everything down, even naturally. And that's what we tried to do on this trip. We slowed everything down to dispose for an experience of God. And for some people, um, I think that it happened. Um, and you can tell. I mean, you know, there, there are visible signs. There's also invisible signs of grace, tears, um, laughter, like uh, alacrity, you know, like people feeling like they, they've had weights lifted off of them. But then at the same time, there were people that went on this trip that I think some were really hoping that this is it. They're going to have this experience. And maybe it didn't happen. Or maybe it did, but we don't know, you know. Um, but I think that's what was so amazing is just disposing people for two weeks, not just to God, and to the experience of God, but to the other person, yeah. you know, because we can move so quickly, you know, oh, oh we're going to, we're going to meet up at this place and then we're going to have this experience and then we're going to go home and then tomorrow we're going to go to this place. But do you actually have an encounter of the other person? Like, have you ever, you know, sat with the other person in silence and felt that it's good to be together without them having to say, isn't it so awesome? We should take a picture so that everybody knows how awesome we are. Um, and I know that in everyone's like lives like my own aren't like that but it's something like that yeah. that we long for an encounter with another person um and ultimately with this divine person which is amazing that this divine person who is in a community of persons the trinity has disclosed himself in a human physical way um and that now we have access to that yeah um so fascinating I think that's good for today. There we go. No emails. No emails. But it's good to have you back. I know. It's good to be out of the kennel. <laughs> the um, I have a shout out, but I'm sorry. I have no idea who this goes to. Um, so, into the void. So, at my parish, I got to preach um, oh, here uh, we go. three weeks yeah. ago. And uh, it was awesome. You know, people are so, like, good to me. And, you know, like the they, they laughed awesome. at my jokes. And... Thank God for the 9.30 crowd. They'd had their coffee and that they weren't, you know, completely dead. But there's this couple, Tyson and Sharla, um, who uh, were there and I've met them. And they had friends that were coming through, driving, whatever. So apparently they were going from Texas to Washington for vacation. And the guy says, man, I wish we're going right through Colorado. I wish I could see Father John and Deacon Nathan. And maybe he said Deacon Joe, but I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Probably not. Yeah, probably yeah. not. 
So anyways, so um, they're listening to the podcast on the way up. They stop at Mass because they have these friends, Tyson and Charla, and they go to Mass and who's preaching but moi. <laughs> and the craziest thing is they had just listened to the Five Proofs of God's Existence, the, the Father Brian Larkin podcast. And I did the voice for the daughter, and she, like, totally freaked out because, like, thinks she was like, I know you from somewhere, but you're really creepy. Um, so, anyways, whatever that family's name is, I know he's a youth minister or teacher. I think he's a teacher at a Jesuit Catholic school, something like that, in Houston. Peace be upon you. Nice to meet you. So, um, that's it. That's it. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Laters.